This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, and our three pundits this week are he's the return of Sean Malhotra. Hello, everyone. Been a long time. Good to be back. It's been a long time, too long. And we have Des Corkill. Enjoying my football. Good to see Manchester City losing. I do hope Everton can come out of their rut and poor old Malaysia. They did as well as they could. There's the week in a nutshell. Well, speaking of Everton and Malaysia for that matter, we have also. Lin Chu. Hello. Obviously, I'm not enjoying my football, but here I am. Yeah, Lin, we're going to definitely hear quite a bit about your woes a little bit later on. But let's start off with uh, what happened over the last few days. The League Cup. I think I called that correctly, Des. It's called the League Cup. It's very important, apparently. And uh, some some interesting matches. And let's start. Sean, I want to start with you. Uh because you probably enjoyed this as, as a Manchester United <laughs> fan. Southampton to Manchester City nil. I did not see this one coming. But uh, I, I mean, Man City had a, a, a full strength team and were not very good. I mean, I expected City to win. Uh, even if it was by penalties, I expected them to win. Because if you look at their team A and their team B, it's still two strong 11s that they can put out. But I think you got to give it to. To Southampton, they really put up a good performance, a good enough performance to win the game. And I've always said this: cup competitions are very different from from league games. It's unpredictable, and the fact that Southampton managed to get a win over City, I think I read a stat where Pep's only lost two games before this in the League Cup. So for Southampton to get one over City, it's a huge one. It's a huge one because you look at the team that they put out. That was a team they put out to win. So. I mean, it's a great result for Southampton and deserve to be in the semi-finals. Yeah, didn't Southampton win their previous uh, match, their league match, which meant they were due to lose this one? So I don't know. I don't know what's happening in Southampton. It makes no sense anymore. Um, uh, uh, Des, uh, I'm going to jump across um, to another match completely. Newcastle to Leicester nil. I lost count of the amount of chances that Newcastle created, and I didn't lose count of the amount of chances that Leicester created. <laughs> um, Newcastle were staggering. Good team. Um, since the start of the season, I think um, I'm, I'm going to say I, I thought that they would um, be good. I didn't think they'd be this good, though. They are playing with incredible confidence. Um, they're keeping clean sheets. That's what Nick Pope does for you. Uh, he keeps clean sheets for you. Um, uh, and Newcastle are, are, are full of confidence. They don't have European football to really uh, intervene in the way, so they can take this um, uh, competition extraordinarily seriously. They haven't won a trophy since Bobby Monker's days in the uh, Old Fairs Cup. They've been in a couple of finals um, uh, in the last century. But this is um, with Saudi money. They are the second biggest spenders since the Saudis took over, but spent um, uh, spent well, I suppose you you, you could say. Um, but they are a good a good club, and Leicester are going through a weird weird phase. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I'm not sure if he's under pressure, but they're not playing um, like a Brendan Rodgers side. Brendan Rodgers has um, uh, put, puts puts good teams out. 
But Eddie Howe has got this Newcastle team ticking, not conceding. That's first and foremost. That gives you um, the chance to express yourself a little bit going forward. And, uh, you know, they are they are in this uh, to try and win it. Um, it, it it's uh, um, a, a friendliest draw as well in the semi-finals. So Newcastle, yeah, a trophy as, and the, possibly the first of many with the money behind them. Hey, Des, I, I've always heard that, that one. Uh, Newcastle haven't won since the Fairs Cup. What was the Fairs Cup? Uh, pre-runner to the UEFA Cup, basically. Right. Um, Intercity Fairs Cup. It, it was a cracking rule in that you couldn't have two teams from the same city representing you in that competition. So if, um, uh, for example, if two London teams qualified if a, a second and third in the table then, then the team who came third couldn't go into the Intercity Fairs Cup. But okay. it, it was a good trophy um, and uh, a famous, famous day for Newcastle. Okay. Hey, uh, Lynn, do you... Mm-hmm. As as I do, have Newcastle down to to win this um, this competition because I mean, like uh, Dan Burns, Dan Burns, a uh, Geordie uh, uh, lad, playing for his club, uh, scores a goal, and I don't know, just a feeling. I know Saudi money, but there's a feeling there. I think that they could win this. Do you think so? I I do think so. I mean, Newcastle is where Everton wanted to be, right? New new um, owners and um, bringing changes to the entire team. And you've got people like, um, you've got players like Joe Linton, who's just um, Menace and Almiron. So, um, yeah, I think they could be up for uh, for their first trophy in years, possibly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how I'd feel about that. Uh, I have a soft spot for Newcastle United, but... Uh, Give it five years, we'll all be hating them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Sean, Nottingham Forest won, Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Um, uh, Bob would be, if he was on the show today, would be kind, he would be kind of happy in that way that you're not really sure if Bob is happy or not. Um, but this was, this was a shock. And I mean, I know it was on penalties, but they got through. I don't think it's a massive shock for me because you look at one hand, these are two teams that are struggling in the league as it is in terms of Forest and Wolves, but Forest are really strong at home. I think they put up a good enough performance. And you got Dean Henderson in goal, who I think probably had one of his better games for Forrest. And when he goes to penalty shootouts, I think the most entertaining thing for me was when Morgan Gibbs-White, former Wolves player, goes up, take the penalty, scores a penalty, starts doing that celebration in front of the Wolves fans. And then you have Cunha, who just came into Wolves, takes his penalty, scores, does the same celebration. Jack Colbeck follows the same thing after that. I mean... You can do like, that, John. You can do that. You can do that. Don't you think it's provocative? And I, um, I don't. I don't um, like it. I think it's provocative. I agree, but it's you don't expect to see it. I didn't expect to see it at all. So that was because I was watching that game as well because I had work to do, and I was like, "That's that's a really interesting thing to do." Because on one coin, on one side of the coin, you could have the fans react really badly and like storm the pitch, and then the other side of it is like pure entertainment. But I fully agree that, I mean, I'm happy Forrest won. I think they deserve to win. And a penalty shootout is always interesting to see. So you think putting it to opposition fans is pure entertainment? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was pure entertainment for me in that sense, wow. yeah. Okay. Well, when something bad happens, let's uh, let's just remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what's the most egregious one I ever saw was, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, when he played against Arsenal. And Adebayo. Oh, yes. Adebayo. Um, yeah. Adebayo. <laughs> All length of the pitch, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hi, um, speaking of uh, where Everton wants to be, uh, uh, Nottingham Forest would be 
Lynn would be uh, a rival at the bottom of the the league. I, I don't know if Forest really should be wanting to progress in this. They probably want to put their efforts into the league. But uh, so therefore, you're probably happy that they've won. Um. Yeah, well. And I'm just I'm just more focused on us at the moment, honestly. <laughs> but did did Forrest show that they have they have what it takes? I think they do. They do. Um we I I think that um they could be going back to glory days. Uh, well not glory days uh, per se, but um well, that's that's some I, serious glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> they, they will be sticking around for a while, I would think so. Yeah. Uh. And then Des, uh, and I, I don't even know if we're going to ask Sean about this one, but Manchester United 3, Charlton nil. I think, gosh, this is a team transformed. And in uh, Marcus Rashford, he cannot not score goals at the moment. You've got a great coach. That's that's what it is. You've got a coach who's in charge, a group of players who believe in him. Uh, he says the right things. He protects the right thing, uh, the, the right players. Even even um, um, Anthony, he's not putting a lot of a lot of pressure on him. What was the great quote he said? We've not bought him for what he can do now. We bought him for the future. Um, credit to Charlton. This this wasn't an easy three nil. Um, a, a valiant effort by the Valiants. So um, credit to them. But no, Man United are a genuine contender. They might not be good enough to win the title yet. But they're certainly back in it. And it's purely down. I keep going to this because the coach is allowed to be in charge. We'll talk about Chelsea uh, in, a, in a short while. Um, the coach isn't being allowed to be in charge there. Or he's being blamed for being in charge. Man United, they let Ten Hag sort out Ronaldo. Look at the difference when you've got everybody pulling in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a team transformed from the beginning. And Maguire as well. He sorted the Maguire issue as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, which is to do what? What does he... I mean, doesn't play him. Oh, he, he, he's um, putting an arm around his shoulder. He's 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 um, not made him as his main man. Um, and and the, the whole the whole situation at United is so much so much better, which is horrible for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to talk a bit more uh, Manchester United and indeed Man City in a moment uh, when we return here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks uh, with myself, Cam, and Sean, and Des, and Lynn. And now, Sean, we've got a lot of uh, really quite uh, appetizing derbies coming up in the next round of uh, uh, Premier League matches. And perhaps the pick is Manchester United versus Man City. Now, Man City, we talked about earlier, losing in the League Cup. Uh, and they weren't holding back. They weren't. They weren't saving players for this match. Manchester United, very resurgent. Um, I I don't really know what Ten Hag has done on the pitch. I was expecting Ajax, and and I feel like it's something more pragmatic, even. Uh, what, what's happening there? I think in looking at every individual player compared from last season to now, you've seen a huge shift. And I think the biggest shift you've seen is in Marcus Rashford. Last season, he'd just come back from having a huge surgery. Came back too fast, in my opinion. Wasn't playing well. There were fans who wanted him gone. And now you see a player who's playing with a lot more confidence. A player that's able to take on players. He he looks like a player transformed. But you could say the same about so many people. There are so many players in that, that team that have looked transformed. I think Des touched on it earlier. You have a coach who now has the right to do what he wants to do. There's no one from above or anyone behind him who's telling him, hey, do this instead, play this guy instead. 
I mean, taking Ronaldo out of the team completely and terminating his contract was a huge, huge play to do. And I think it's worked out great. It, it could have gone awry and you'd hear many pundits saying, oh, Ronaldo would have solved everything. But I think you have a team who's playing for the team, playing for the coach now. It's sometimes not very pretty to watch, especially against low-block teams. But this team has a way of finding a way to score goals. And not only score goals, keep clean sheets. The biggest problem United have had for the last, I think, four or five years is keeping clean sheets. And United have done that really well lately. Against City, though, this is a really tough one. I mean, City losing in the League Cup was a big one because they, I think we all know City take the League Cup seriously. And them losing back-to-back is not something you've heard of under the Pep reign that often. It's such a tough game. I think there's something about United at home. They've only lost once at home in the league, if I'm not mistaken. And against City, it's a derby. United are going to go all out. I'm very sure of this. Winning this game would be very big for United, especially in a week where they play three league games. Yeah, I mean, if they did win, my, I'm using my fingers for the mass here, 35, 36, 37, 38. <laughs> there would be one point behind Man City. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that would be pretty big. Hey, uh, Lynn, um, I don't know how you feel about this upcoming match then, this derby. Uh, Haaland did not score in his last match, so clearly he's the problem. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I think they will just bounce right back from their loss. I mean, you know, City being City, that's... Uh, I mean, they, they showed it against Chelsea against uh, against Chelsea in the FA Cup. So, um, I mean, United is going to go into the game on a positive note. I mean, having won the last couple of... Um, uh, league games, but um, there's just uh, an edge that, that City will have. So I think, um, yeah, if you start um, Haaland and KDB, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a high scoring match. I think. Well, I another six three. St- <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, I I want to give plenty of time to be able to talk about Chelsea. So I want to move on to another derby that's happening, uh, which will be the North London derby. Des. Tottenham versus Arsenal. Um, just by the way, in, in the week that uh, Gareth Bale has uh, announced his retirement from all football, um, and our, I, I, I've watched all those highlight re- reels and remembered just what an amazing player he he has been um, for for a club. <laughs> and uh, well, no, he was good for, he was actually, he scored over 100 goals for Real Madrid. And for Wales, he's obviously the man. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Arsenal uh, uh, and Tottenham, but but Gareth Bale first. I mean, he the best British player ever. Um, with, I've, I've got a big Cardiff connection, and uh, Gareth Bale was born in Cardiff, and we we followed him. Uh, well, Welsh fans followed his career as a kid through Southampton on through um, to, to to a time at Tottenham when he really established himself. And then onto onto the international thing. The, the big thing about him, he was always Wales through and through. There was that famous um, uh, golf Wales Real Madrid, or was it Wales golf Real Madrid um, uh, poster that, that he stood in front of. Um, I, I, I think the lack of consistency uh, means that he won't go down as one of the greats, but certainly a great player for Real Madrid. The goal against Liverpool in the Champions League final is arguably the greatest ever goal in a Champions League. We forget about it because that was the Carriers final. But the the Bale goal, which was crucial, it was one all at the time. It was it was a phenomenal moment. We all remember that hat trick for Tottenham against Inter Milan, 
Um, and even at Southampton, he was a prodigious player. So um, the, the, the the Welsh part in me is is very, very proud. The Welsh are just absolutely delighted that uh, he had such a great career and was able to put Wales in the spotlight and play in the World Cup. So, um, yes, a great player, but not one of the greats because football wasn't his main priority in life. Golf was. Is that what you're saying? God, just life was his main priority. He, he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a slave to football, which is a, a fairly refreshing, very very twenty first century attitude to life. But um, he wasn't a slave to football. But gosh, what a player! What a player! And uh, we have to remember, we, we shouldn't speak of him in the past tense as as if he died. He, he's only retired from football. But uh, uh, what a player! Hey, um, well then, whilst I got you here, Des, Arsenal and Tottenham. Arsenal have been. Pretty emphatic in the last few games. Uh, how, how do you feel about them against Antonio Conte's second half? Uh, Huge first? game for Tottenham this, I think, um, because they've been so relatively inconsistent. Uh, two defeats and a draw in their last five. Arsenal stuttered, if you can say that, in the nil-nil against Newcastle. Um, although I, they may well look back and think that that's a good point against a, a top six rival. Um I keep saying Arsenal have, have these big games coming up. Uh, we'll we'll really know a little bit more after this game. And they passed every test so far, both this year and for the most part last year. Uh, this is another one where if they can get through um, uh, from uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with a point or a victory, you really begin to think, hmm, yeah, yeah, this team, they could go all the way. Because we're now into the second half of the season. They played most of the big clubs. They're playing with um, a confidence. The, the Jesus um, departure does, or the Jesus injury doesn't seem to have hurt them because Eddie Nketiah has rebuilt himself and is um, adding fire. Odegaard is in the form of his life uh, going front. And defensively, defensively, they are so, so strong. Um, Gabriel has made a, a, a big difference, um, has had Saliba. And so they've got this strong spine. And unless they get some horrendous injuries, you know, if Arsenal come through this one, they will be even more comfort going into the second half of the season. I see a draw, and I see that being a, a good point for Arsenal. Well, because this is Conte Spurs, Spurs I will only watch the last 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, hey, Sean, I've, I've saved time for this because it's... Uh, it's it's um, Well, uh, last night, I think it was, it... Uh, Gosh, the West London derby or a West London derby. I don't know if you know the West London derby. Uh, Chelsea got beaten uh, 2-0 by Fulham. And Des has not been joining me on the Crisis Club Chelsea narrative, but he may be persuaded now. Are you going to join me on this? It's, it's what a disaster. I think you got to look more on the side of how well Fulham did. I'm not going to look at it as a whole like all the games that they've played, I'm going to look at it as how Fulham played against Chelsea. I think they did really well, but I think the biggest issue that Chelsea have is they've invested a lot of money into their defence, 200 million if I'm not mistaken, but they've not gotten a cover for Rich James. Cesar Espelicueta is a huge legend towards Chelsea, but he can't defend in the Premier League. He doesn't have the legs for it. William was close to retiring in Brazil, came back to England and he tore Espelicueta apart. Vinicius Jr., who, who I mean, I'm not Vinicius Jr., sorry, Vinicius, who's not scored a single goal in the Premier League, made Thiago Silva have a hard time. You got to give credit to that Fulham team because they find a way. They're not sitting in sixth place out of luck. They're sitting in sixth place because they've really gone all out this season. They've done well in terms of signings. They've done well with the terms of how they play. 
Andres Pereira looks like a new player. What a cross for that goal. In terms of Chelsea, I, I it's a lot of money spent into that team. And I, of all people, know what it feels like to spend a lot of money and not get anything out of it from your team. I wouldn't say it's a crisis yet for Chelsea. I think this oh, is come a, on, it's no, a crisis. I, I don't think it's a crisis because I think when you have new owners come in, a lot of things can can happen. It can either go really well, like how it's gone for Newcastle right now, or it can go really bad. I don't see a team with a plan yet. I see a lot of players coming in. I don't see a lot of players going out. I don't see a definitive style of play for Chelsea. But I think I would say this is a one-off season for them. Next season, with pre-season, if Graham Potter is given that opportunity, I think Chelsea can come back a lot stronger than they I are I foresee now. that as a problem if you don't have a plan or strategy. Which I, is I, what I, basically what Everton is going through as well. When the new owners come in and they don't have a definite plan or strategy, and then you have um, injury problems, and perhaps, just perhaps, the manager may not be good enough. Uh, well, yeah. the manager didn't get to choose the players. I've been yeah. saying this since the start of the season. Todd Bowley is the one who went and got those players. Do you really yeah. think that Graham Potter wanted Yao Felix to come in and um, uh, for that kind of money for half a season? Do you really think that that is Graham Potter's decision? That's that's this is what's wrong at Chelsea. Todd Bowley is making all of these calls, and, and that's yeah. the, the coach. Yeah, that, that is the problem when the when the managers don't get a say. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and Lynn, you can't to be, blame to... Potter if here you go, he's being said, there's some expensive tools, go and make them work. Um and, yeah, but but Lynn, to be fair to also to Potter, uh a lot of injuries at Chelsea. I mean, the injury those players, they're good enough to win a Champions League on their own. Uh it would be it but will he be given the benefit of the doubt, Graham Potter? Lynn. Well, if they didn't give Tuchel a chance. I'm not so sure about Potter. Mm, mm. So, Des, you're still not going to join me on the Crisis Club uh, bandwagon. Uh, you don't listen to me, Cam Razlan. I hang on your every word. I've been saying for all season that this is not a team that the, the coach has decided. This is a team that the chairman has come in. He's played uh, f- football fantasy manager, put in a side, and, and then it's not worked out on the field. So, um I don't think it's a crisis because he's got squillions to play with. So they'll even if they don't qualify for the Champions League, it's not a financial problem for Chelsea. Uh, but there, there is a who's in control uh, problem for Chelsea. And that's got to be the coach. Look at Manchester United. Look at the difference that it makes. Yeah, and look at how long it took to get to that difference. He's done it in a season, Ten Hag. He's done yeah, it in no, one season. But it took 10 years to get to Ten Hag. But then um, once once they gave it to him and once they stopped selecting the team, then it, it's so different at United. Okay, uh, Sean, I want to uh, ask you quickly about Jiao, Jiao Felix, mm-hmm. which I, I may have made sound rather Chinese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what happened there? Uh, he got a bit overexcited. Um, coming on his debut, gets a red card, which I think, didn't Steven Gerrard do the same thing? Um, on his debut? Didn't he? Well, there are players who have come on on their debut and they've turned out okay. I, I mean, you have to look at the minutes before their red card. I think Zhao Felix was Chelsea's best player. The, the, he, I was saying when he got signed, he's not going to fix the issues that they have, but he is going to make them look a lot better. And he did. He, he linked up play really well. He was gliding past players really well. 
a moment of madness is what I'd call it. I, you know, you when they put it in slow motion, I'm like, oh, it's it's not that bad. But when you look right. at it at real time, it looked really bad. Studs up into the shin. It's sad because I thought he did really well at that point. And now Chelsea are going to look at it as he's only going to be coming back mid-February. So they paid for him for 20, what, 20 games? And now he's only going to fulfill like 16 or 17 of those games. Gosh. And they're going to be paying him a lot more. So again... It's, immoral. I mean, it's financially immoral. Yeah, it's financially immoral. And, and I don't uh, quite understand it. So he's 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 not a Chelsea player, mm-hmm. um, but he's on loan to them and they're paying all his wages. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. Um I just not this doesn't happen very often, just half a season. That's kind of weird. To be paying that amount of money for a player that's not even yours, coming on loan, paying his full wages, it makes no sense to me. I mean, th- you could have gone with a short-term fix that would have cost you a lot less, i.e., wig horse for United kind of thing. But uh, Des was, was saying it over and over again. It's not a Potter player, it's not a Potter pick. It's Todd Bowley's pick. It's mm. just let's throw money out and let's see what happens, kind of thing. Not let's pick a player that can fit the system and give the manager the chance to make a system actually happen instead of just hey, big name, let's get him. He did well at the World Cup, right? Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we will carry on with uh, the Premier League in a moment when we return here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, Lynn Chu, Sean Mahotra and Des Corkill. And now, Lynn, uh, we're going to go to Brighton versus Liverpool. Um, Brighton are doing very well. And uh, just to compound, uh, I mean, I know it's not a Chelsea story, but Graham Potter's uh, embarrassment, they're scoring goals. And his his Chelsea are not. But... um, the uh, see Liverpool are seventh, Brighton eighth. There's one point between them, and uh, they played the same number of games. How do you see this one going? Um, Liverpool are in a bit of a oh, okay, Des. I won't say a crisis, <laughs> not a crisis, but they do have um, the injury list is piling up, so which means that, um, yeah, it could, it could be a difficult game for them, um, especially at, at home at, at Brighton. Uh, I mean, sorry, with uh being away at Brighton. And I think they've only won very few times, maybe like twice at, at away games. And Brighton is, um, you know, they got, uh, they are good at home. So, uh, and we've got the World Cup hero as well, McAllister coming back. So I think uh, probably could be a high scoring goal. I mean, the previous meeting ended up in a 3-all, 3-3 Yeah, 3-3 three, three score. So um, Brighton might just edge it and win it three two, I would say. Uh, Des, do you uh, concur with that? Because this is not the season that uh, Liverpool fans were hoping for. Uh, Lynn touched on a couple of key points there. The, the injuries, it, it, it's astonishing how many injuries Liverpool have got again for the second time in three seasons. There's talk of Darwin Nunes will join uh, Diogo Jota and um, Diaz. Uh, as injuries, so um, you can't call it a threadbare squad when you're when you're dealing with hundreds of millions of pounds. But Liverpool's away form has also been pretty pretty average. It's two wins, two draws, and four defeats in eight games. Just eleven goals scored on the road. As something has gone wrong. They're being overpowered. Whereas once they were the teams doing the overpowering. Uh, again, I've, I've been saying, if you've been listening, Cam, that there's a hangover from last year. There is a hangover from last year for, for Liverpool. It was so intense that. 
you, players will will come down on a lull. It's just been a long, long lull. Huge game this for Liverpool. Um, it could become crisis-ish if they don't make the Champions League because they haven't got the money of Chelsea and they can't afford not to make the Champions League. Defeat here. And it puts them, you know, a danger of, of a Brentford overtaking them, of um, of uh, other teams overtaking them. And it, it becomes dangerous. So they've got to get something out of it. So um, much as Lynn would like it to be 3-2, I can see Liverpool digging deep and picking up at least a point and probably a win. There's a but, wanted to just ask, so sorry, that yeah. what's your view on the whole FSG situation? Because I know fans of Liverpool who have an issue with FSG at the moment and some want them out, some want them to stay. What's your stance on the whole FSG situation? No issue with them whatsoever. Um, I'm, t- I'm told there's, there's a, a chunk of money available in the summer. Um, they've been fabulous. Remember when Liverpool came in, um, when FSG came in, Liverpool were close to administration. Where regu- Liverpool are regularly in Champions League finals these days. Um, they're competing at the very, very top table. Uh, they haven't got the squillions that the, the states have got to throw at it. I think they've been wonderful, wonderful owners. Um, uh, maybe they could have opened the purse strings a bit more, but they're in it for, it's a business for them. They don't lose money. Um, might have invested more in in, mid, in, uh, in midfield in uh, last summer. But Jurgen Klopp's got a big say on that as well, and you can't criticise Jurgen Klopp, nor Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> Yeah, nor Kenny Dalglish, nor... <laughs> yeah, there's a long list. <laughs> there's a long list. Um, but I just want to... Des, um, what kind of... But let's let's say they don't get into um, Ch- Champions League for next season. They're still in Champions League now. Would that would that be a financial hit that, that Liverpool could could deal with? It, it's a cost of 100 and, 100 and odd million. Um, I suppose in the bigger scheme of things, that the club is up for sale for three billion. Again, financially immoral, but let's not go there because I'll I'll cry. Um, but but the, the the club is is up for sale for three billion, which is a two point seven billion uh, profit in ten years for FSG. So FSG can afford, I think, to take um, a hit and still cash in to who whoever that they they sell to or whoever invests into it. So um, it, it's not ideal, but yeah, Liverpool probably could survive it. Jurgen Klopp signing for four years last year is such a huge, huge lure for players because he makes players better. Um, Bellingham is still a possibility next year. I think we've just got to scrap and fight like we did two seasons ago when we had all those centre-back issues to try to make it into the top four. But it's 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 seven into four this season. It's it's really, really difficult at that top level. But uh, Klopp, Klopp's still the man. Could they survive it? Yes, they could. But they couldn't survive two years without it. Uh, couldn't survive would mean... Uh, what would that Com- mean? Competing at the top table. They'll, they'll still be there. They'll still be top six, top eight. But um, the difference between competing with Manchester City, uh, as they have been over the last five seasons, and genuinely at the very top table of European football, that's what they would lose if they missed out on Champions League for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, being at the top table, Lynn, I'm just going to change around the order of things because I want to go straight to uh, I want to go to Everton versus Southampton. Uh Merseyside still. The Everton story for the last two seasons has been not a happy one. And there doesn't seem to be any... Uh, there's, not, there's not a rainbow at the end of this tunnel. If, is that an analogy that makes sense? Uh, um, I, uh, Lampard out is my question, Mark. Um, okay. Honestly, I don't know where to start. Um, I... 
for me, I would, I, my opinion is that um, I would keep Lampard, not because he's such a great manager, but there's been too many changes um, over the years. And um, sacking a manager without proper replacement is just not going to solve the problem. I think the problem has been top bottom. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of bad decisions uh, made at, at top level. Um, there seems to be no strategy, no plan, as I've said earlier about, about the new owners. Um, uh, we've sold our best players and never replaced them. Uh, we sold Dean, we sold Richarlison, and um, that was the main problem. Richarlison was the one who kept us, kept Everton up last season. And I think the rot started um, way back, way back since Moyes left. I mean, it's been, uh, since Moyes left, uh, Everton has, has had uh, eight managers, eight managers. And um, can you tell me that out of eight managers, not one of them can get it right? So obviously something is wrong. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, Everton has just got to stick with Frank Lampard for the time being and trust the process because sacking him is not going to help. Because who would who on earth would come in? De- Des, exactly. Des, Des, your your brother's a, an Everton fan. You're you're originally from Merseyside. Do you have any inside information that uh, that could be a, a straw that uh, Lynn could clutch? Uh, Lynn's um, touched everything that that I'm hearing from back on Merseyside. Um, that. Uh, You've got to stick with Lampard. Everton weren't far away. They were seventh. They had Carlo Ancelotti. They've had some darn good managers. They had Silva, who's doing well with Fulham. Um, So there was a plan. And and to be fair to Mashiri, he's put a shed load of money into the club. And I'll always point to the stadium as as being just revolutionising that part of Merseyside, which is is great. But something has has gone awry. Um, Where are the goals coming from, Lynn? I, I just don't see... Where the goals come, losing Richarlison, which I think was inevitable, is one thing. But then relying upon injury-prone Calvert Lewin and um, a guy from Brighton who couldn't score for Brighton—that oh, was never going to be the answer, was it? No, yeah. but he would score uh, for Brighton against Everton, though. Yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of player you want. Hey, uh, yeah. Sean, I uh, one of the matches that it's not a headliner, it's not a derby by any stretch, but could be very. Interesting and impactful. Newcastle versus Fulham. Um, this is a a chance for both clubs to show where they are, and it probably end up as nil nil. But uh, <laughs> I don't know who 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 Newcastle at home, of course. Uh, how do you see this one going? My bet's still on Newcastle. It's a completely different team. This team is playing. I mean. <laughs> You got Eddie Howe in there who's who's built this team that plays not just really good football, but they're so assured at the back. I, I had a friend recently asked me, like, who would be your, your starting back line? And I'm like, you just gotta look at Newcastle. The entire back five is is keeping clean sheets for fun. It's not just Nick Pope. You've got Trippier who's doing really well, Dan Byrne who's doing really well. These guys are playing so well in sync. I think the, the big problem they might have going into this game with Fulham is Joe Linton might miss the game because I recently read that he he got caught for some DUI uh, issue last night oh, really? or something. Yeah. Mm. So missing him could be a big problem. But you look at the Newcastle team, there's, there's goals everywhere. There's creative players everywhere. I admit Fulham are playing really well at the moment. But if you're playing at St. James's Park, where I think, I don't think Newcastle's lost at home this season or they lost one game at home this season. I I I can't look past them. I, I see this being a high-scoring game, 
three, four goals probably. And I see it going Newcastle's way. They deserve to be where they are because of the way they're playing. And I, I fully think they'll finish where they are come the end of the season. Yeah, my I was going to call it a stat. It's not a stat, but Vinicius looks just like Bobby Zamora. Um, <laughs> so Brazilian Bobby Zamora. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think Fulham have that going for them. <laughs> hey, uh, Lynn, I'm sorry to do this, but every time I'm do- uh, there's a relegation uh, <laughs> hit team, I seem to come to you for your analysis, because I'm sure you've been keeping an eye on them. But tonight you've got Aston Villa versus Leeds United, uh, two clubs who are, well, actually, Aston Villa not doing too badly. Uh, Aston Villa um, with with a new manager, uh of course, nothing makes Gogolin happy, but I think he is kind of happy with uh, the way things are going there. Um, Aston Villa are on the rise. Well, they're going to be having a good evening, mm. won't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that how he speaks? <laughs> um, it. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, seriously, Aston Villa are um, 11th. I mean, I'd... I'd, I'd I haven't been keeping an eye on them. They're doing quite well. What is, how are they doing well? I, I don't know. I, um, I have to go back to Everton. I, I see um, Everton going the way of Aston Villa, the way they were under Randy Lerner, where they had to go through a painful process of um, going down to championship. And, um, not, and now they're on the rise again. I think... Um, no, that's so that's that's good for you. I, I believe it is good for you. Uh, you think Everton could survive that though? What financially or going going down to the championship? I know there's there's um it's a tough, tough old league that you look at it. No, now. no. I would I wouldn't want ever want to go down, but I'm just saying that um in fact I think um yeah, under good management, I mean Villa came up again, but you know, I think if Everton were ever to go down, it'll be a tough fight. It'll, they might not ever come up again. Sorry, I digress. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, so uh, there are two different relegation stories there. Everton bounced back, essentially, uh, but Leeds were disappeared for how long? How long did they disappear for, uh, Des? They were well, 20 years. Best part of 20 years, yes. And they, went down, they went down two leagues. They, they did. They did. It, it, it's a long way back, um, and it's not easy. And I, 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 Again, I've got a Cardiff um, affinity, and Cardiff, when they went down, they weren't able to bounce straight back. We are seeing one or two teams up at the top end, but um, it's 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 difficult even with the parachute payments. It's a tough, tough old league. Is the championship? Mm, mm. Well, uh, I don't I don't wish that on anyone, apart from maybe Chelsea, but uh, it's not going to happen to them. <laughs> but uh, in a moment, we're just going to finish off a couple of uh, Premier League matches, and then we're going to look at the AFF, um, the situation there, which most of us stopped watching. <laughs> um, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back in part four of Just for Kicks. Des, I want to go straight to you. Nottingham Forest versus Leicester. Uh, in the absence of Bob Holmes. Um, both teams, well, a lot of riding on this one. Uh, and yet, Forest. I can't imagine I was ever going to say this. They seem to be on the rise, and for Leicester, they they have not improved at all. And the 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 run in the League Cup to the semi finals will do Forest's um, confidence a power of good as well. They're level on points at seventeen apiece. Uh, Forest have won two out the last four. Leicester's form is three defeats in a row. 
uh, as well as that League Cup defeat as well. So it's it's four in all competitions. Um, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Brendan Rodgers fan. I think that he um, produces good teams and he gets players to play um, above their abilities. But uh, I'm concerned about Leicester that they might get sucked into a, a relegation battle if things go on. Um, Forest, with with the n- number of bodies that they bought, eventually they were going to get a couple. It seems seems as though they've sorted out one or two defensive issues. Um, uh, this has got draw, score draw, one all written all over it, and everybody will be happy with that because it just ekes them a little further away from the from the relegation dogfight. Which uh, Bournemouth is is a team I see getting really sucked down into the relegation dogfight. But Leicester and Forest probably good enough to 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 stay up. Um, they. A point to piece to do them fine here. Yeah, Bob Holmes has said that if if Forest do stay up, it'll be on their home uh, uh, fans. Uh, he he says it's it's, it's all up to them, uh, their support. Uh, uh, Lynn, I imagine in in uh, in your household, there's there's a picture of David Moyes on the wall in your, in your bedroom. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I want to ask you about Wolverhampton Wanderers, West Ham United. I mean, West Ham seem to be just like not winning. And they are, well, they're, they're, they're down there with uh, Everton. Um, what's going on there? I don't know, honestly. I, I mean, f- is it that David Moyes just has this kind of, I don't know, expiry date, this, this, this limit that he can get to and, and go no further? I mean, he was doing very well initially, right? But um, I don't know. I've always seen, um, I said earlier, I've always seen David Moyes as fixed deposit, you know. He can probably keep you up, but he can't get you very far. That's harsh. (laughs) Gosh, that's harsh. (laughs) What did he do? Gosh, he got Everton into the top four, for heaven's sake. Yeah, West Ham Ham were, were having their highest finishes... Since, I don't know, since like Bobby Moore or something. Honestly, at the bottom of the table, the way I see it, it's going to be um, a game of who does worse. And who's going to do worse? West Ham, Everton, Wolves, who seems to be some improvement going on there. Southampton, Bournemouth. I don't know. It's a very close call. So it's it's all going to be down to the very final day, I would think. Okay. And we're halfway through. So... Got a bit more to go. Um, well, uh, Sean, I'm going to wrap up then with you. Uh, we're obviously not going to be able to cover every single um, match that's coming on. But uh, I, I want to choose for you then. Well, Brentford, this may not sound very exciting. Brentford uh, versus Bournemouth, because I think Brentford have been a revelation ever since they came up. They're ninth now. They're above Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are they're not even actually they're not even the leading club in in west london that's fulham <laughs> but, but um brentford have a plan we've been talking about clubs that don't have plans they have a style and a plan don't they yeah i mean and i i think if you look aside from the the top 4 right now in terms of all the best managers there right i think thomas frank has done a great job at brentford i don't think he gets enough credit i think they started off shaky at the start of the season they slowly come back, and I think Ivan Tony's been a breath of fresh air. I mean, you look at the allegations that he's going through and the, the problems that he's having, but you see him on the pitch, him, mm-hmm. Mbemba, 
can't really say his name well, sorry, Janssen and a few of the others, Raya and Gold, they've all played a, a very attractive style of football. Yeah, it doesn't always work out, but you see a team with no fear. Every game they go into, they play the same way. Yeah, they'll probably get peppered throughout 90 minutes, but it doesn't stop them from even trying their way of playing. Uh, Burnmouth is a team that I, I, I thought at the start of the season would get relegated, and I, I still don't change my opinion on that. I think they will get relegated. Not enough investment in that team. They still look like a championship team, in my opinion, compared to a Premier League team. I see Brentford smashing Burnmouth, if I'm being completely honest. Ivan Tony relishes games like this, and if he's fit, because I think the only ill real issue he's had is, is staying fit from time to time where he may miss a few games. But if he's fit for, to, for this game, I see him probably smashing like two or three in. I don't give any any hopes to Burnmouth for this game. Yeah, Ivan Tony, England's second best striker, isn't he? As long as Harry Kane is fit and well, you will not see another man starting up forward for England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, okay, Des, and now we move to a competition which came to an end when uh, Malaysia lost <laughs> in a semi-final. Apparently, there's still going to be a final. I don't know what that's about. Um, yeah, and also, sadly, uh, taking a goal, one goal lead to Bangkok wasn't enough. Um, but how 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 is the AFF going? Well, the final, the first leg of the final is on. As we speak, uh, Vietnam taking on Thailand. They were expected to make it into the uh, final. The second leg is on Monday night. Um, so worth, worth watching. It's uh, on the Astro channel. So um, very worth watching. So Malaysia went into this uh, without uh, a number 10 uh, being precise of Johor, Daryl Taksin players who would regularly be part of the squad. So it was it was called a B team and um, there was an awful lot of players saying it's not a B team, it's the, the best players who, who, who are available. And they, they achieved, I think, what was expected to achieve. And we had some great stories on the way. The 4-1 over Singapore was spectacular. Stuart Wilkin was a, a newish name for us, plays for Sabah. Um, he scored a couple of goals in that game. But I feared that when we came up against, we being Malaysia, when we came up against uh, Thailand, there's a danger we'd be exposed. And we were. Even in the 1-0 first leg, um, I, I thought that was a, a, a gutsy but fortuitous win. Um, and then the 3-0 second leg, was was it was a, a fair reflection because uh, Thailand have some top-class players like Tidusin and Sarah Uyen and uh, Tidaton, who, who um, was a full-back, has converted himself into a midfielder. Plus wingers like Ekinit and Bodin, um, uh, Bodin down the left-hand side. So they had a lot of very, very good players and Malaysia were, were well beaten. On the positive, uh, Kim, the coach, Kim Pangon, played 3-4-3. He tried to impose his style upon the players and I think was largely successful. He A number of players emerged who could be eligible or could be well worth boosting the squad for the Asian Cup in January 2024. That's the real focus for, for Malaysia, I think, over the next 12 months, performing creditably in the Asian Cup, for which we've uh, qualified for the first time in donkey's years. And I think this um, tournament is good because one or two new players have, have emerged. Safai so Rashid has found himself kind of a new role. Wilkin in the centre midfield, plus Brendan Gann's leadership. Um, there was a defender, uh, Sharon Nazim, I think, did, did well. Sheehan now learns that uh, it's pretty tough playing at, at the top flight. And Darren Locke and Lee Tuck came on and performed pretty well. And we also saw Kyrie Ajmal get a, a chance in central midfield. And he knows that he's got to step up. So, yeah, semi-final, as expected, but well beaten in the end uh, by, by Thailand. But, yeah, a very, very successful uh, month worth of work for Kim Pangon 
and uh, what I will call a B team because those other ten Johor players who were missing they do make a heck of a difference. What what kind of how many of those would have been in the uh, the the A team? Six or seven. Ooh, well, that's, that's quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're we're gonna uh, wrap it up there uh, for 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 today's show. But before we do, I just want to say um, uh, to Lynn Lynn Chu. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite so sad on this show. Um, good luck there, Lynn. And remember, it's only a game. Um, but, oh, oh, all the thank you. We need like, a miracle, not not luck. <laughs> is it? Is it? Because. You know, at the beginning of the season and last season, when Sean was on, it was uh, with Manchester United, it was just desperate. It was so sad. But, I mean, the fortunes there have turned around. Um, It's a funny old game. So uh, I'd like to thank um, our three pundits. Sean Malhotra, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be back. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, You too. And uh, Lin Chu. Yes. Keep the faith and trust the process and have a good weekend. What process is that, though, Lynn? <laughs> I have to say, I'm wondering as well. You just got to trust it. What else can we do, right? Well, he's yeah, Frank Lampard, quite fair to be fair to him. He's very good at sort of running ahead and kind of going fist pumping and going, hey, he's good at that. Is yeah, that that's, that's why the fans love him. Right. And uh, thank you to Des Corkill. Yeah, with the congratulations to Malaysia, uh, I've got to say they they did perform creditably well. But now we're back into um, the uh, English Premier League and uh, a big big weekend for Liverpool, big weekend for Tottenham and Arsenal, big weekend for those United fans. Come on, City! I think can they both lose? Can they both lose? Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna inspect the rules and I'm gonna insist that, that on certain occasions it is possible for two teams to lose and. Uh, but we haven't had that yet. So thank you so much. And please join us on um, uh, Monday for uh, another episode of Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9. The magic, the might, the majesty of Manchester City, champions 2022. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.